everybody, we're the Con Artists. We're going to try something new this core. Uh, every core, if you guys have been following us, what we do is we write a blurb um, in the middle of a season after about three or four episodes, and then we write another blurb at the end of the season. So the season so far and the season in review. Uh, we're trying something different this time. We're hoping that every two weeks we'll present you with a podcast like this where we give a little chat about what we're following this core and hopefully you follow along with us. Okay, so we're just going to take turns kind of talking about what each of us is following and there'll be some overlap and it it's just going to be fun. So hopefully you guys follow along and have a good time. So who's watching Yuri on Ice? I'm watching Yuri on Ice. You're show watching is, Yuri on Ice. I'm watching Yuri on Ice, okay? I think it may Listen. just be you. I think it may just be me. Yeah, me and, like, all the Fujoshis everywhere around the universe. <laughs> oh um, all right, so I am not a Fujoshi, uh, just in case you're curious. If you are, that's awesome. Uh, this show is 100% for you, by the way. If you're a Fujoshi, get on this show, like, right right now. Uh, the The show is about a uh, a boy from this small town in Japan. His name is Yuri. And he is a quote-unquote pro figure skater. Uh, and he's, he's kind of down on his luck. He hasn't been doing too well. He hasn't been too inspired. And so he goes to the Grand Prix and he just bombs completely. And his his idol, this Russian figure skater, Victor, it's like Nikodov or something like that. He, uh, he sees him and he kind of waves at him. And then, you know, this kid just like runs off. He's like, I can't possibly talk to him. He's too beautiful. And uh, there's, there's another Russian kid, Yuri who's just about to enter the Grand Prix. So there's a junior Grand Prix and there's a senior Grand Prix. And he, he at the time, the Russian Yuri is a junior and he's about to move into the senior. And uh, through some circumstances, Victor ends up coming to Japan to meet with Japanese Yuri after seeing a viral YouTube video of him copying Victor's moves in his hometown ice rink. And he's like, he just shows up in Japan and he's like, I'm gonna be your teacher. And that's, and cue, like, copious, copious amounts of, of gay fan service, like, it's just everywhere. So, honestly, I came into the show because I've been watching the PV, I, I think, for almost a year now. And the the show just nails figure skating. Like, I was in it for the, the body motions, and um, I'm not really into the, the sports anime much, but... I do watch Haikyuu, and one of the things I really love about Haikyuu is the way in which they capture the body motion for volleyball players. Like, somebody clearly studied that, and this show is exactly the same. Somebody clearly studied figure skating, and, and figure skating, cool, it's amazing. It really is. They capture the motion, they capture the grace, they capture the, the sensuality and the sexuality, quite frankly, of figure skating. Um... And it's it's a really great show so far. I hope it continues to be just as awesome. Somebody somebody loves the human body, uh, and somebody loves figure skating. Very, what I'm hearing very is clearly. there's not a lot of Yuri in this show. <laughs> oh no, there, there's two Yuris. Oh no, there's there's, there's two Yuris, and there's copious amounts of of moments that are very gay. Like I'm not even gonna try and hide it. There's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just Victor is just like a fan service generating machine. The man is just there to like. <laughs> pose kind of naked or just like grab one of the yuris and bring him close to his face and be like i hope you satisfy me and you're like yay <laughs> everywhere like oh no it's here so that's totally cool and if you're into that definitely get in into the show because 
it's there. But it if you're into it for anything for anything else, it nails figure skating. It's got beautiful music. The opening and the ending mm. are just phenomenal. The opening is is actually all in English. I would seek it out if did if they it's do a, a really good job of the English because that's usually not a not a thing. Surprisingly, yes, I think it's fairly good for for being English. And huh. the end is just like club mix awesome like i just i just enjoy the song it's something you could tap your foot to so overall yuri on ice is is really good and i'm getting what i wanted out of the show i like the characters so far i love the figure skating and uh the the show moves at a very brisk pace because i think it's only going to be about 13 episodes so super exciting very nice so you guys are just done that was the that was the best show of the core i don't think you guys have anything else that wins uh... I'll, I'll try to uh, to bring up the rear here with what's clearly a lesser show, <laughs> uh, yep. which is the second season of Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, I think the first season was maybe two cores ago, something like that. Uh, and at that point, it was I think it was either my top or one of my very close to the top shows of the season. So I was really excited to see that they're continuing it because they obviously wanted to continue the story. And they are doing a great job of it again. So Now, Scott, I know you were a little worried because you had told me that Iron-Blooded Orphans last core just ended on a perfect note are they doing okay with season two are they stretching for a plot oh my goodness no like they're like hey all the events of season so in season one like the this sort of like this group of kids that's that kind of takes control of their private military company away from the normal guys and run it themselves and end up helping to change the political situation between mars and earth it's actually a fairly complex situation but so then season two kicks off and they're like, hey, all those events that happened, they've had a huge number of unintended consequences. Like the, the use of children's soldiers is on the rise because these kids were so effective, even though one of their core things is, you know, giving something for like, basically these kids don't have much of a future and they want a future for kids, but their actions are probably making things worse for more kids everywhere. I was going to uh, say, wasn't that political... something that they were struggling against, sort of? Yeah, they were struggling against it by trying to make a better life for themselves by fighting. But really, what all the world powers watching took away from it was, man, child soldiers are awesome. Great. Oh, delightful. So, like, they've got that going on. The The political changes they made between Mars and Earth have had a whole bunch of consequences of their own. Like, there's trading in different kinds of metals and the the power structures, the old power structures, which are based around these families that sort of had control, are starting to fall apart. Uh, one of the characters from the first season is capitalizing on that. And the organization that the kids are part of has actually grown a whole bunch. Like they, they are a big name now. They've got a bigger organization. So basically is they've done a really good job of changing things up sort of politically and with what's going on. And they've made, they've sort of expanded the scope. Like the, the, the kids are no longer, you know, two mech pilots and a bunch of kids in one ship. I mean, they're, they're a company now, like a big company, fairly big. So they can take on much larger jobs. Uh, and so the scope is a lot bigger as well. Uh, but it hasn't lost the really crisp animation, the really, really good-looking fights that are never generic. Like, you know, you think of Gundam Wing, and it's just standard shots of Leo's exploding for five minutes. Like, I that... liked Gundam Wing. Hey, Gundam now. Gundam <laughs> Wing is good, but there's a lot of shots of Leo's exploding. Mm-hmm. Yes, there, like, are, there are many of those. Whatever. Just... I like Gundam Wing, yo. Gundam Wing's good, but it's it's its own thing. Like, this is every single fight is like dramatic like there's never like oh no another 50 leos showed up it's like oh no like one enemy mobile suit showed up and that's a huge challenge that's uh, cool because that's significantly be more thing. realistic especially when it comes to to gundam and mecha in general you're like how do these things move and i think as as time went on really just 
an aside here, with, with Gundams, they just got more and more absurdly fluid. They were like, oh, yeah, we can move these things just like you can move your arm. And it's like, listen, guys, that worked for Ava because Ava was special. You just can't you can't move a Gundam like that. OK, yeah, they do. They do a pretty good job of showing how heavy and massive these things are. And, and you know, there there are battlefield combatants that aren't mobile suits like there's these little guys and other stuff like that. And they do a good job of bringing uh, those sorts of things into the battle, too, plus space combat, which they do pretty well, too. So very excited for the second season. And so far, everything's going full steam ahead with them. That's cool. So, Very cool. I can definitely Very recommend cool. this one. Yeah. I nice, wasn't really nice. super enthused about the first season when I watched the first couple of episodes, but uh, knowing that it's apparently still going strong, maybe I'll have to give it another shot. Hmm. Good yeah, stuff. I'd it. So, Dan, what are you watching that pales in comparison to Yuri on Ice? Uh, well, I mean, on the good end of things, I'm uh, watching, what is it, uh, Poco's Udon World? And, uh, you just made that up. No, I did so not. Is it like I, a food show or what? S- sort of, yeah. Um, it's going to be, yeah. I guess. Uh, uh, what Brendan said. Basically, this uh, this guy like just turned thirty. His father's just passed away, and so he returns to his hometown in the sticks to uh, basically settle the family in affairs and get liquidate the business. It's how old is this person? He's about thirty. What's he been doing up till now? Uh, he's been in Tokyo, assu- uh, assuming you know, some kind of normal job. They haven't really gotten into the details yet, but uh, okay, so that's probably unimportant. He's coming back to liquidate business. Got it. Yeah, and you know he doesn't want to. He doesn't really want to come back here. The town is a drag. Its only source of income apparently is udon shops. This is an actual prefecture in the Japan that they're talking about, to the point where like the vice governor of the prefecture does the ending like next time on bit. The actual guy. Whoa, okay, so this is like almost a like a tourist ad, kind of. I guess you could call it that, yeah. Well, the, anyway, the guy goes back and finds like a whole bunch of people who really want to eat at this shop, and so he's starting to think, it's clear that he's starting to think, maybe maybe Dad was onto something with the family business, even though they had some now, kind of Does this guy have out. any cooking experience at all? Did Dad teach him any of the secrets? Or uh, not really, but he has found the recipes as of the end of uh, mm-hmm. episode one, so... Assuming a he's, treasure trove of recipes. <laughs> assuming he's got that good head on his shoulders, he might be able to salvage it. Uh, but the real complicating factor is that he finds this kid in the uh, in his old home, and this kid doesn't really speak very much. Kind of a you know, not like feral, but definitely not uh, definitely not housebroken, for lack of a better term. He's like four. Yeah, he's just. Oh, okay. He's four. Okay, that yeah. makes all the difference. I'm pic- I was picturing like some angsty teenager. Oh God, no! <laughs> like hiding on the, like sitting on the couch or something. <laughs> no, no, no. This this tiny, tiny child who, as the, well, the opening gives away everything about it. But let's just say that there's more to him than meets the eye, and that's going to cause complications. Where does he these... transform into an into an udon cooking magical boy? No. <laughs> I would God. watch this show. I know what. What do well, you mean, I had no? my million dollar idea for the day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's perfect. Now, Dan, I have to know mm-hmm. since we just finished watching collectively all four of us together, um, World Conquest Vesda, oh. which had copious copious amounts of udon in it. Did you? Did no, you that's like, udo. Did, that udo. No, that was something Dang completely it. different right. and much weirder, apparently. Okay, but did that somehow like subliminal message into your head, and then you watch this show? Because this not sounds a little slightest. slice of lifey, which is not normally your thing, right? Uh, it isn't, but I've been gaining an appreciation for it, especially after last season where um, sweetness and lightning really took the cake. Uh, so this feels like it's going ah, to be a good bit, one. 
Uh, it feels like it's I going this, to be like, a bit of that. I have image of, of Brendan, like little chibi Brendan just going, yes! Like all by himself in the corner, like someone, someone has learned to love my shows. Someone has learned no, no, no. To that'll happen when we all life. decide. That'll happen when we all decide to sit down and watch Sketchbook. Yo, mm. dog. I I take naps by myself. I don't What's need anime to you? help me. <laughs> oh, I've seen the Sketchbook. Pretty good. But uh, yeah, this this looks to have a little bit more, I guess, momentum. Uh, Sweetness and Lightning was very much kind of like an episode by episode thing. Yeah, there were some things going on in the background, but there wasn't really a continuous theme beyond dad tries to do right by his daughter mostly through cooking this you've got the kid kind of finding himself again and you've got the uh you've got this uh or not the kid the uh the fellow the uh the 30 year old trying to find himself again and figure out what to do with himself and this kid being his own kind of complication but uh we'll see where it all plays out it only just it started relatively late so uh only the first season or first episodes out so far but uh that's the Mm -hmm. good side um before we uh, dive into more of the B-side, Brendan, what have you got to uh, share with us? Um, I mean, mostly I'm looking forward to more Udon World. Oh, yeah. And uh, in no small part because of the show within the show. Oh, my God. I forgot about oh. that. How could you possibly forget? It is so weird. <laughs> it is... Are we talking it, like it, Crying Breakfast Friends weird? What is this? Oh, <laughs> yes, Crying Breakfast Friends! <laughs> there were... Like there were anthropomorphized like umaboshi, like uh, you know, pickle plum and a rice blob. Yeah. Oh, like somebody like pulled out a plate of those, and they've got like, let's have some of these, and like they've got little eyes on them, and I'm like, what is happening? There's also a cat who's sad he can't drive. <laughs> I'm like, you're a cat. Already my favorite character. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Oh my god. You like it. It's a really short segment that uh, appears to happen after the credits, and you, you've just got to you, you have to experience it for yourself. You really do. I'm gonna give it that. It's pretty weird. I I can only assume that most Japanese television, or at least ch- uh, children's television, is a lot like this. <laughs> like that's one of the weird things about anime is that you never know how much art is imitating life, but. Oh man, it's weird. This, this one's in a pretty uh, well-known. Well, I won't say well-known, but uh, at least common knowledge of this uh, place is, you know, fairly widespread. So, seems like uh, it's probably trying to hold fairly close to reality, other than everything to do with this small child. Hmm. Okay. Right. But we'll see where that goes. And how much it pales in comparison to Yuri on Ice. Well, apparently everything's going to be doing that this season. Yup, apparently everything. Especially Scorching Ping Pong Girls. Oh, right. The other other thing you were watching? definitely made up. One of the other things I'm watching. Oh, no. Scorching Ping Pong Girls is very real and very bad. Um, (laughs) Okay, at least please tell me once an episode some girl catches on fire. (laughs) We can only um, hope. Like, do they have uh, these sort of while... the, the the background flames of passion? I mean, that I'm I'm fairly certain that happens. I've only seen the first episode as of this time, and uh, it's actually been a little bit since I have. But like, flames seem like something that uh, that were, were probably happening in the background. All right, so well, there goes the, my the primary bad idea. part of the show. Uh, like all the characters are terrible moe blobs. Oh no. You know, like I said, set one of, the of them on fire like every episode. Kind of. I mean, like, 
when they actually get to the like the ping pong part of it, it's not bad. Like it, it's what I assume is uh, yeah, middle of the road sports anime, but everything when they're not directly engaged in ping pong competition is just like, hmm. Actually, let me let me dial that back a little bit further. The main personal drama going on between the two leads looks like it's it might be good. Oh, okay. Um, everything ab- about like uh, the red-haired girl, like that doesn't directly relate to her horning in on the uh, purple-haired girl's racket. Uh, uh, just uh. <laughs> so, what percentage would you say is tolerable versus not tolerable? Oh, um. F- it's got to be, it's got to be like at least uh, four to one. Oof. Wow. Okay. Or the other way around, whichever one the the one is the tolerable part. You so one a quarter four. a quarter tolerable, seven and a half percent. You you really knew how to pick them this time, huh? I just, I mean, I you know, I know a lot of uh, a lot of our friends watch a lot of sports anime, and usually it's about dudes doing stuff and this one looked like it was going to be uh cute girls doing stuff and you know i'm not opposed to cute girls doing stuff and if it happens to uh you know involve ping pong which i played a lot of in in my youth and did I you never really? knew that yeah a little bit not not a lot a lot but we Brendan, had a ping pong secrets table revealed dun, dun, on our dun. bi-weekly anime discussion man <laughs> <laughs> so now dan no. you said them why what else is brennan what are you also watching brennan i'm a little worried oh. now both shows are bad what? Uh, well, I haven't figured out what to make of Trickster yet. Trickster looks like it might be interesting. Uh, it's like I'm I'm on board with the the uh, the 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 top down like the overall sort of plot uh, structure of the show. For the uninitiated, but, what is that? Just in general terms. Um, it's uh, it's it's loosely based on the uh, the Edogawa Ranpo uh, detective stories. So and and we oh, saw a little bit of this okay. in in um, Concrete Revolution, oh. where they had the Boys of Light oh, like yeah, detective those club, guys. Uh, and also in uh, at some point we all watched together the Daughter of Twenty Faces, which also is probably like is a reference to the same source material, given that in Trickster the detective club has a nemesis in a guy called the Fiend with Twenty Faces. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I think at the end end of, uh, what do you call it, the credits for Daughter of 20 Faces, it said it uh, it was indebted to the material of Rampo, so. Inspired by and so on. Something like that. Yeah, and I think they had a Rampo anime either last core or two cores ago. It was like Katon Rampo, Game of Laplace or something like that. So they're probably riding that. I guess this guy's having a a resurgence. Hmm. Mm. Neat. All right, so it could be good. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm not sold on any of the characters yet. Oh, no. <laughs> like, they all, uh, most of the, uh, most of the people who actually have, uh, screen time came off as, like, arrogant, uh, like, cocky jerkwads or, uh, emo sad sex. Like. Oh, boy, a match made in heaven right there. <laughs> most of the people who actually had screen time are, uh, arrogant cocky jerkwads or emo sad sacks well oh that's the worst unless you've got more to say about that uh brendan i've got something about uh arrogant jerkwads go ahead well 
You see, one of the other shows that I decided to take a look at when the season first started was Bloodivores, and trust me, this thing is exactly... <laughs> That's like two words that should never, ever be fused together. Oh, you never. think that, but apparently somebody thought this was a great idea, and it is every bit as bad as that title makes it sound. This thing looks like it crawled... I mean, I'm the... picturing a sci-fi special movie. Is that like the right picture? It certainly has the oh, right title goodness. font for that, Ooh, <laughs> and, the production, and the production values are roughly the same. Um, but like, oh man, it looks like it crawled somewhere out of the 90s. All of the characters to a man are like just hateful. There's only one of them that's in any way, that's in any way decent and he doesn't really do much of anything except drive a car once and then get punched. But Dan, are you saying you hate the 90s? Yes, actually, I kind of do. What? Oh, that's... that's... That's rough. Like we're gonna have to have words later. But go <laughs> ahead, continue. Secrets reveal. No, That's not all really. <laughs> There's not a lot good to say about much of the '90s, but what? there there were some great things there. There were also there was also a lot of garbage. But moving on from that, this thing. Okay, basic premise. Way back in the day, everyone got like a whole bunch of people got uncontrollable narcolepsy. A drug was invented to cure it, and then suddenly vampires. Narcolepsy or insomnia. Insomnia and narcolepsy. I think it was. I think it was insomnia. You're right. Whatever the case is, they gave the, they gave these people a drug, turned them into vampires. Wow. Okay. I mean, you got to have some kind of premise to establish your things. You sure. see, that's not the premise. Because after that, it's like, oh, well, there's this one kid who was born of a human and the blood of war, despite that not being the English word that they use to describe vampires, and. He's like, he's supposed to be some kind of child of peace. He just grows up to be a punk. Like, I don't see how he's a child of peace. Like, most of these people are just living their lives unless they go kill crazy because they don't get blood. But they just they just live in society. They just wander around. Nobody seems to, nobody seems to mind most of the time. So Do they how... still sell this drug, like, over-the-counter? No idea. I don't think so. It's, it's very poorly explained. Anyway... Uh, this kid decides for some reason to rob a bank. Turns it turns out that the bank was some kind of setup, so everyone that was in there, despite him explicitly making sure that he and his, you know, idiot kid friends don't kill anybody, turns into a whole bloodbath. Like, they look back into the bank later on, and they're essentially being framed for some kind of mass murder now. And... All right. Then they get shipped off to they get shipped off to what amounts to a warehouse with a bunch of cells in it with a whole bunch of other people in the same uh, in the same kind of boat and now they're told to fight monsters with a bunch of weapons that are just dumped on them. So vampires exist. So These kids aren't vampires. And they're going to go fight land, monsters that also they are vampires. They are vampires. The monsters are just weird, ugly, like very generic monster thingies. Okay, so so half vampire kid is a vampire for all intents or purposes, something. Or it doesn't matter, man. Don't don't try to don't try Scott, to voice your logic to make onto sense this. Out of it. What are you doing? The thing I like that... to suss things out. <laughs> oh, you got to watch this if you want to try and suss any of this out. But then he no. has superpowers, which apparently all it does is fling him backwards while breaking glass that wasn't there before. And every every glass? every every villain so <laughs> far is like glass. every villain is literally <laughs> a you, is literally half a second away from being a rapist for some reason oh, is, gosh is the main character female or male male but he's also not another punk uh there's it you gotta watch this show to believe how poorly handled it seems to be so far this may be panel material guys i'm Ooh. i'm not sure there oh, hasn't that's... been a there hasn't Ooh, been a good one a good of those in a while. Bad. 
Oh no, that it is, is not a good kind of bad. Kind of At first, bad. I thought it was just going to be incredibly bland and terrible, but no, this this may transcend it. We'll have to see. That's that sounds hilarious. I have this mental image. I I used to read. It's gone now, but the X button column on Anime News Network, and at one point, infamous Second Son came out, and the the writer of that column like couldn't stand this guy, <laughs> and so every time he put him in, and you you could click over the pictures, and it would say something funny, and he was just like every time he showed this guy, he was just putting some sort of ridiculous like punk statement over him, like he'd be smiling, and he's like, hey, yeah, the cops, you can't catch me because I'm gonna go smoke some weed, and like that's what I have in my head. It's the image of like the second sun guy just running around but being a vampire and being like, oh yeah, what now? I got some weed and I'm a vampire. What? Like that's my image of Bloodivores, and I'm not gonna change it. It's done. You're not as far off as I wish. You're not as far off as I think people would wish you were. The real, the real kicker to all of this is that as far as I can tell, them being vampires doesn't matter one damn. It doesn't... I don't know no, why Dan, they decided to No, Dan, that's going to sell the Blu-rays, baby. That's going to sell the Blu-rays. Dan, when he needs to pull a secret power out, it's going to be vampire power. Oh, Come no. On. Actually, I do remember now. Okay. What do they call them? Hemomancers? Oh, no, come on. Don't say it. Why do you say keep saying words? I mean, you know what? That's that's actually way better than I was expecting. I'll give them credit if the name is actually Hemomancers. Something to that effect. It's, oh. It, oh, it's so bad. Anyway, before I take up way too much time with this terrible show, uh, what else is what else are people watching? Is anyone watching anything else? Who else wants to talk about some chaos? Scott, talk about some chaos. Oh my goodness! So we were looking at the uh, the, you know the, the stuff coming up this season, and there it was a show called Classicaloid. <laughs> so oh, exciting! No. And this this show promised it's like the great composers of the Western musical tradition plus giant robots. <laughs> Or something. <laughs> it was and... just the strangest <laughs> premise, guys. The strangest premise. And let me tell you, this show is is just a kaleidoscopic, <laughs> like fever dream, pretty much. Um, I agree so it's with like, that. So the rough premise is there's there's a girl who owns this mansion that her grandmother left her, and this, she's got this annoying guy friend who isn't he's not her her boyfriend or anything, but like he just kind of hangs out at her house and is a general loser and. Just, I hate this kid. And and, when, and and then he comes over one day and there's suddenly like Mozart and Beethoven are living at her house for reasons that she doesn't even really fully explain. Apparently her father just picks up vagrants and lets them live at his house. And two of those something. vagrants happen to be history's greatest composers rendered as anime idiots. Yeah, Mozart yeah, like it's, it's very unclear yeah. what a classicaloid is like in the context of the show, but it's definitely like everyone's like, oh my God, it's a classicaloid. And so they're they're kind of like I don't, I don't know they look they're like Pokemon. Well, Beethoven looks kind of like historical Beethoven. Mozart is just a disaster. Pink haired roller skating freak. I don't know what to call him. He's Guys, you got to look this up. Just look up classical Lloyd's Mozart, and you you will be sorry. But you, you know, won't like, be like, sorry. But first, <laughs> just do it. First, look up Beethoven and be like, oh yeah, okay, that kind of looks like I'd expect Beethoven. And then look up Mozart and be like, no, that's not even the same show. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's it's so horrifying, and he's so dumb. It's just the worst. Oh, he's he's yeah, he's 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 very dumb, and also it looks like he's probably going to be the like the the ladies' man, the guy who thinks he's the ladies' man, but obviously oh, yeah. isn't. Oh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. Is the music then, any good? Uh, well, I mean, they do kind of feature like the song that these composers have done, but they kind of turn it into like like a rock ballad or rock opera kind of thing. Yeah, episode so it'll, one it'll be feature, like you know whatever uh, Pockable's canon, but it'll be Pockable's canon with like an upbeat tempo and guitars. 
Yeah, Scott, what, what uh, was the one they did Mozart's, not Mozart's, geez, Beethoven's number six or something for something the first like episode that. one? Yeah, for yeah. episode one, you get that that moment. But just, like, the show was so nuts to begin with because it, it's got sort of a, a premise, right? Like, she, uh, Kanai, lives in this mansion and it turns out it's going to be torn down because her father just blew all their inheritance she's like super rich actually i don't think there's any reason given why they're losing the house because later in the episode she just decides to have it fixed and i don't know right. it seems like foreclosure was just a state of mind she was in and once she got over it everything was fine yeah which... well she she signs it off in the beginning she's like my father blew all our money on his like stupid nonsense travels and that's why i can't afford to fix this place and then long story short she has a massive change of heart later and like the whole the whole premise is ridiculous and then and then comes like the power of a classic alloyd you're gonna take this one oh, right. away beethoven, oh, so, beethoven reveals his power and it's right it's just like everything now, I, goes behooties at once i should mention that this happens so beethoven's uh his major character trait is that he really likes gyoza which is basically like a dumpling and he's trying to figure out how to make the perfect gyoza like this is his entire character let me tell you and Scott, he finally manages to get pretty close I know, right? Like, I, I learned to love Gyoza after watching Sweetness and Lightning, and now here I am hating it. Uh, and so anyway, like, the, the people that are going to wreck the house hit the house, and he drops the Gyoza, and he's like, oh, that's it. Like, surely fate has intervened to ruin my Gyoza, but I shall overcome fate by strangling it with the power of music! And just, like, like light shoots out of every orifice on his body, and then, like, there's... Like a singing sun in the sky and like a piano that encircles the world and a castle and there's like dancing yeah, phantoms and like just there's, there's absolute nonsense in every direction. <laughs> and then I was like, well, where's the robots? So they have this like hand cranked pipe organ or something and it transforms into this ridiculous looking robot. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And Does then the bad guys... Someone? Wait the for bad it. guys, what do you call it, like, Wrecking Ball and the Caterpillar the crane, yeah. merge into their own robot, and then they slam into each other with their fists and begin dancing to the music that Beethoven's playing, and everyone has just a great party time under the fever sky. Uh, and then they all kind of wake up and go home. <laughs> yeah, that's like... it. That's it. <laughs> but Somewhere... then at the end of the episode, like, they're like, oh my goodness, the classicaloids, like, they're, they've escaped and we kind of know where they are. And then... What are we going to do, Bach? And then Bach oh. turns to the oh camera, gosh, and he yes. is just this enormous, imposing man in sunglasses. And I was like, you know what? I'm in for Bach. And like, yeah, and he's got like this like, judge wig. And like, Bach, what do we do? And he's just like, on Dante. <laughs> Somewhere Brahms is spinning in his grave. No, 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 no. I'm really hoping Scott and I were talking about this. So first of all, Scott, like, I watched this show because we're going to watch it together. And I called you up that evening. And I was like, what the (laughs) heck did I just watch? And all you did was laugh at me over the phone. So that's friendship (laughs) right there. And so I told you that what I wanted most from the show was that Bach, like, never gives any instructions. I just want him to say a music nomenclature every time they turn to him. They're like, Bach, what do we do? And he's like allegro <laughs> like that's the end of his scene Coda. and that's all i want all the time and i will be the happiest person oh, piano fortissimo and you're like yes bach just keep doing that yeah with your giant <laughs> aviators and like judge oh. wig oh. uh and then like in the, in the ending theme song promises a lot more composers are gonna show up oh, so it's gonna right. be yes ridiculous. holy cow uh-huh. this is only this is only episode one like the second episode is not out at the time of our of our talking so 
I can't even imagine like what's coming next. Yeah, Scott, as a lover of classical music, this is a hell of your own creation. And I saw classical, and I'm like, I I have to, I have to know. And and this is what I wrought. Here we go. <laughs> That's just, it's just too good. It's just, just imagining too good. Scott now sitting in his own personal box of pain. Though apparently sharing it with Sue, so, you know. Yeah, Hooray! we're going to be there together and be like, what did we just watch? Yeah, it's it's going to be rad, Dan. You're going to hear all about it in these bi-weekly meetings. I heard a man break something over this show, so uh, we'll see where it ends up. That's true. I showed this to, to a mutual friend of Dan and I's, and he actually stood up and began screaming. <laughs> like, he was so angry. He had to he had to walk away from the mic or he would have deafened us. Friendship, everyone. Friendship is magic. Friendship, Friendship is magic. All right, and I think okay. we had one more show. All right, so speaking of I had to know, but not in a bad way, uh, my the other show I, I want to encourage everyone to give a try to is March Comes In Like a Lion or Three Gatsu No Lion. How did you no get lion. two good shows? What the heck? Hey, hey, I know, right? I'm winning out this, this time around. All right, so uh, March Comes In Like a Lion. I had actually heard about this uh, on, on Anime News Network quite a while ago. It's a critically acclaimed manga. And um, I, I know very little about it aside from that. And so I was like, I, I definitely have to give this a try. Now, the the uh, description is a little misleading. So anyone who is reading about it, the, the show is not about shogi. So you might read it really quick and be like, this kid makes his money being a professional shogi player. This is not a sports anime, guys. This has zilch to do with the shogi itself. Yes, the main character oh lives on his own and makes money by being a professional shogi player, but that is not even close to the premise of this show. Um, first of all, for anyone who is into Honey and Clover, this has the Honey and Clover animation. It's oh. it's very similar to that, that like very, very soft, almost watercolory type of shots. It's beautiful to look at, first of all. Sue, like, so is, is there a bicycle metaphor? <laughs> one time I rode my bike as far as I could... Ham Senpai, or like whatever they used to say. Romaya Senpai. Yeah, thank you. And he's just coming. You guys remember that show way better than I do. Oh, yeah. I totally remember that show. This ham episode kind of made its own own thing. Yeah, totally. So it's got the the honey and clover. It's very soft. It's very, very beautiful. There's like a lot of painstaking detail put into this, this show. Um, I don't really know what to expect from episode one, which was fascinating. So this, this kid, um, forget his name now should have looked it up before this but this this main character he lives on his own and um he's really just kind of depressed like there's a lot of fascinating imagery the whole opener is god like something out of psychology movie or something like all these hands gripping at him or him staring up from the water into the dark sky or him being in a dark forest with blowing wind or something it's it's very very metaphorical for the fact that i think what we're going to do is follow this lead character as he sort of regains humanity but when you watch the first episode there's just a ton of still shots there's a ton of just shots of hallways with with just specific lighting it's very artistic is the best word it sounds very artistic it's very artistic and actually that's not normally my type of show so I, I ended up reading, I cheated, I read on some forum boards, I didn't read the plot, but apparently this episode follows the manga, like, almost shot for shot. So they're oh, clearly cool. going for a certain level of devotion. It's actually Shaft, for anyone who's curious, it, it's Shaft producing this, Ooh. so they have a a tradition of very high-quality stuff. But I I don't really know what to expect from this. It's It's got a slice-of-life element, it clearly has a drama element, he... 
this main character goes and has dinner with this this family of sisters who is just like the most incredibly loving family in the world and, and the way they play with lighting is really neat like a lot of this main character is very dark like he'll move around in the dark the intro is very much like it has dark colors and in the sister's house it's just always so bright there's a brightness that is you know metaphorically being used for them but i i don't really know what to expect but i've I have the promise of a really impressive drama, but be fully aware it is very slow moving and very just soft. So, hmm. and very artistic. So Sounds kind of neat actually. It it does sound kind of I'm hoping it's it's like the sleeper hit, but I really don't know what to expect. At the same time, it looks gorgeous. It has just amazing production value. So I hope everything comes out of it that that it gives just from episode one. So it's interesting and it's hinting at a lot of things. The main character talks a lot through through his mind and narrates for you. And it, it seems like he's struggling with what type of person he wants to be. And the show's gonna, I think, put drama around that that central theme. So I'm probably not selling it the best, but I do encourage you to try it if you're into anything artistic or just, just for the production value. If you need, just need something calm, it's a very calming show. Everything from the music to the visuals. Very, very soothing type of show to watch. Neat. Hmm. So I do I do recommend it. Oh, good. Now, I know a lot of time left, and we've actually gone a little late, but uh, real quick, are there any other shows that you are A, following, or B, have dropped so far that you want to give a shout-out to? Now, for me, uh, I'm also following... Uh, Brave Witches, just to see how bad it is. Why, if it is, like, Can't I Collection, worthy of my doing a panel. Uh, so far, it's better than I had anticipated, so we'll see how that goes. Hmm. I also had watched the first episode of... It was something like Taikyo Ranbu or something, and it was going to be this historical revisionism army or something. Watched the first episode, and it's basically sword boys, like like these boys who are also historical Japanese swords fighting historical things, but largely hanging out and kind of being, I don't know, like the the kind of feel you get from Yuri on Ice, it sounds like. So Hey, Scott, I, I heard you like and... can coal, so I put some can coal in your can coal and you got yourself sword boys. Yeah, I, I guess it's basically like, like you know, blank girls, like tank girls or... Or, or gun girls, because in Opote, for... they were actually guns. Oh, yeah, but in this case, it's it's for girls, I think, uh, to watch. So I kind of laughed and then deleted it, so I dropped that one. What do you got? What else are you guys doing? <laughs> um, well, uh, tried to watch the first episode of Drifters. It's writing uh, the... Uh, it's by the same guy who made uh, Helsing, and God, does it show. Um, but there's a lot more forced and unnecessary humor in it. Like, the the shift between ultra-violent, like, action fantasy and incredibly stilted humor happens with a slam, like a door hitting you in the face. So, oh. probably not going to follow that. Especially because I'm pretty sure Hitler's eventually a character. Um, oh, okay. But knowing right? this, it's probably going to be, like, anthropomorphic teenage girl Hitler or something. Um, <sighs> and uh, the only other one was Long Riders. And, well, it's not even, it doesn't even have anything good to make fun of. It's about a bunch of college-age girls who get into bicycling. And if you okay. can't tell the character archetypes just by looking at the character designs, then you clearly haven't been watching anime all that long. It's, it is so dry and so uninteresting that I could not make it through the first episode without almost nodding off. And the background CG was, like, the only thing I could actually like really angry up the blood with 
that and the fact that they don't wear helmets, but they're a bunch of organ donors at this point, so frankly, if they crash, I think it would be better for society. Oh, well, there you go. Net positive. What else you guys got, if anything? Brendan, did you exhaust all of yours? Yeah, it's, uh, it's all I managed to uh, to put in at this You're time. You're a smart man, Brendan. That's cool. <laughs> all right, well, my uh, my other one is Girlish Number, which is about... Uh, it looks like it's going, it looked like from the description it was going to be this super Moe blobish show, but I have, I'm a glutton for punishment, and I am very interested in the, the seiyuu, uh, I guess, culture of Japan. I'm always fascinated with how people choose to, to be a seiyuu, because it's, it's a little bit more of a, a career in uh, Japan, uh, as opposed to, I feel like in America, it's it's one of those things where, like, you didn't make it as an actor, but your voice sounds good, <laughs> type of thing. Um that's probably not true, but I don't think there's an actual uh, profession around it the way there is in Japan. So I followed this, and uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but episode one blew my expectations out of the water. This is a insanely hmm. cynical show about the Japanese anime industry as a whole, and I was I like, it echoed that. so much of my sentiment about certain things. Like, the main character was like, this business is awful. Like, she says that several times, and at one point she actually looks at her brother and goes, why do they make crappy anime? And I was like, it's like this stupid girl understands me. <laughs> it's so cynical. Just so many of the characters are super cynical about the industry themselves. It's like they understood what was going on and then just shoved it into these moe girls to get you to eventually buy Blu-rays, which I'm sure is going to happen. It, it's a clever scheme. I can only hope it keeps being this cynical, because it was pretty, pretty good. Wow, all right. Uh, so, yeah, bad definitely, choices are good. I definitely, say, I, I know, definitely shocking. Couple. I know, I know, Dan. It some of the some of the characters sounded like you. It was pretty fun. <laughs> it was good. But anyway, that's the end. And the other show that I'm following is a uh, Himitsu. It's a secret, so I'll reveal it <sighs> next time when I've watched more of it. So tune in next time, guys. Righto. Yep. Thanks for listening in, folks. Thanks for listening in. Follow along with us, and if you pick up some of these shows, drop us a comment.